This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 533 for November 9th, 2016. Well, folks, welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, senior USBC correspondent for Macworld. <laughs> and uh, joining me is, is the executive USBC editor of Macworld, Susie Oaks. Hello, Susie. The C is for cookie, and that's good enough for me. Oh, my gosh. USBC is her. Um, <laughs> yeah, Thunderbolt 3. It's uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit in this episode. I know, folks, a lot of you do not have devices and maybe aren't even intending to purchase Macs that have USB-C, but I'm afraid it is inevitable. It is the coming storm, the oncoming storm. You cannot have, uh, stand out of its path. It will sweep you down. So uh, you need to be prepared for it because um, – all the new Macs. Wait, we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show about whether we'll see new Macs uh, are going to be USB-C equipped. And uh, we'll talk about that a bit more. But um, I thought leading off the show, we could talk a bit about um, Apple Profit. Then we're going to talk about Suzy's MacBook Pro review for the 13-inch uh, Escape edition, non-touch bar edition. Um, we'll talk a bit about USB-C again and monitors and then we'll get to whether Mac is at the end of innovation. But uh, Susie, how do you earn more than 100% of the profit in a given market? I think that's a fascinating thing that just happened. Um, I don't know. Everybody I else really don't. is I failing. Think it's, it's, it's explained in here, right? <laughs> it's funny. It's well, no, it's a funny thing. You know, so remember, not that long ago, there was this thing about okay, well, who? I think uh, Horace did you of a Simco. I think he was the one who maybe. Well, he does great charts. It's A S Y mco.com you should check out his charts he does wonderful uh presentations of data uh some of which he assembles um you know he goes to multiple sources to get some of which he's just taking information that's out there in financial and other reporting and uh has a beautiful um, presentation of graphical information and so some i can't remember how long ago it was it was okay you know here's the smart all the profit in the smartphone industry and apple was getting i don't know 60 percent, and samsung was getting say 35 percent and everybody else in the market was getting that last 5%. Well, things have changed. <laughs> Everyone is losing money except Apple. So Apple has more than 100% of the profit because uh, fact, if you factor in all of the losses from Samsung and other companies, um, it's kind of a weird thing. So um, you know, we have this multi-multi-year trend now where Apple – eats all the profit in a segment because they've been able to maintain their margins. They don't let them erode and they don't make super low cost stuff. Everybody else is in a race to the bottom for volume, uh, which has proven again and again to not be a strategy. Hey, something Microsoft is avoiding with its new surface uh, uh, machine computer system, whatever you want to call that. Um, they are not racing to the bottom. They're pricing something in the multi thousands of dollars for a niche market. Have yeah, I want to make something high end because yeah. that's where you're going to make money. That's where you're going to make money. So strange, isn't that? Like, so so many companies were obsessed in the Android market, particularly obsessed about uh, market share and units shipped. And Apple's like, that's great. We're going to ship a lot of units, maybe not as many, but we're going to make a lot of money off every single one we sell. So it's just, it's an amusing point. I just, every time I see that, I don't know enough about how financial accounting works to say, is it legitimate to say one company made more than hundred percent by counting the losses of all the others. But um, we're still going to see the shakeout from Samsung's horrible, uh, you know, fire related problems. And now, uh, you know, the next thing was the washing machines. There's other stuff that may be recalled. Oh, the washing machines. Washing machines. Yeah, Did we talk about that last people. week? That, yeah, it's I, terrible. 
There were um, a number of incidents in which they basically blew up. You know, they the mm-hmm. top people were watching. The top came the, off with a vibration, yeah, heavy load spinning, the yeah. spin cycle. Unfortunately, most people don't hang out while their washers are doing things, and they're not in rooms where people are in. But uh, my wife grew up in a house in which the washer and dryer were in the kitchen. That's kind of where yeah, they had to get stuck. There's a lot of and, houses out here where they're in the kitchen. Oh, geez. So yeah. So uh, there were some. You know, there were some injuries. Fortunately, no one killed. I don't think any injuries where someone was. You know, like lost a limb. There were some broken bones. Yeah, pretty serious, horrible stuff. So they have like two plus million units being recalled for repair. Um, and Samsung took out a full-page advertisement apologizing, saying they could do better. Um, someone pointed out Wells Fargo just also took out a full-page ad apologizing, saying they can do better. Susie, the future of newspapers is being supported <laughs> by full-page apology The apology ads. industry is saving newspapers. I know. If it weren't for apologies, what would happen? It's apologies yeah. and politics. What's going to happen next year if no one apologizes? I mean, I think if we all really look at ourselves, we probably have something that deserves like full-page ad apology. So if, if that's you, just go ahead and do it. And, you know, if, if you want to call Macworld sales, you could do a banner ad apology on Macworld.com. I think I said something cruel to someone in fourth grade. I should take care of that now with a full page ad. Oh, man. I, I could prop up a newspaper <laughs> with all the mean things I did. Well, I think, you know, this will I'm be a so banner. sorry, everyone. Banner year for media. Political years are always good for local television, especially. And uh, printing houses and the post office gets a boost, I think, because they – well, it's third class, I think, or something. It's discounted. Uh, and TV – yeah, so everybody makes some money during politics years except for taxpayers. Boom! It's a bipartisan remark. Um, <laughs> we're recording this before the results of the election are known, and uh, obviously we can't advocate for any position or another. And I'm sure while you're listening to this, some people are crying and will never stop, and others are cheering and uh, have hangovers. But um, – you know, whatever happened, it happened. Unless it didn't get decided and then you're listening to this going, those idiots, it's, they're hanging chads all over the country. Just remember, we're all still countrymen. Yes. And, and women. women. And children. We are, um, we're all one nation. and one love. Uh, we are all united in our apparent slight disinterest in the new MacBook Pros. Um, they're selling so fa- People dislike them so much that they're sold out. Um, we don't know how many Apple made, but they're, uh, you got to order pretty far in advance to get one now. Um, I didn't hop in, uh, but you got a review unit of the 13 inch Mac pro, which you have heard is called the escape, the escape edition. I love that. It's got an yes. actual physical escape key. It's a non-touch bar version. Yes, yeah, the one with the function keys instead of the touch bars. So yeah. they they kept one model around. It's pretty configurable, um, but it has two <laughs> lightning uh, Thunderbolt three ports. Excuse me, two Thunderbolt three ports instead of four on the other uh, touch bar models, and they use the the same speed for the RAM. But then in the touch bar models, they use faster RAM. Um, there's there's just like different little compromises about it. Um, it's, you can't upgrade the graphics in it, which might be a problem. It, it, it still scored really well in the graphics tests. I benchmarked okay. it in OpenGL and OpenCL and it, it scored much better than its predecessor. Um, they sent me the entry level models and it just barely scored better. Oh. Yeah. It, it, it was only like 1% faster <laughs> and to like 4% faster, I think in the CPU tests compared to the late, uh, or I'm sorry, the early 2015 MacBook Pros that it replaces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of like the keyboards on those old MacBook Pros a lot better. So between, you know, having to go all USB-C, only having two ports, and having this this keyboard that I don't really like that much, um, it's 
it's it's not I you know I I wasn't super blown away well, by by this escape edition. Oddly, even though it only has two USB C Thunderbolt three ports, it still will support uh, one five K monitor and two four K monitors. So if you yeah. get the thirteen inch, all the so both thirteen inch models, the Escape edition and the Touch Bar edition, have the same video support. The um and the same. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The Touch Bar Edition has a slightly better card. It has Intel Iris Graphics 550 instead of a, a four, a 540, rather. So it's slightly yeah. uh, better spec. But they uh, so both 13-inch editions will support one 5K or up to two 4Ks. But the the version you tested has two ports plus a headphone port, uh, and you charge through one of those ports. So you can charge through pass through. Depending on the monitor you get, the monitor might pass through power as well. So. LGs, for instance, yeah. do that. Um, and the 15-inch editions, which are not – so the 13-inch touch bar is not yet um, out for review uh, or and it's not in people's hands. The 15-inch edition also, the, the multiple editions of that touch bar version. Um, mm-hmm. So at 15 inches, you get four part ports on all models and you also can support two 5K displays or up to four 4K displays. So that's – It's got an AMD – Radeon, uh, you know, graphics chip in it. So. Yeah, it definitely bumps up a bit. So, uh, yeah, so you are not impressed with – so the keyboard we talked about a bit. I've had the MacBook for a year and a half, the 12-inch MacBook. I got used to the keyboard. Holy cow, are my key faces worn off? Like I've worn off the tops of the keys, not just the letters. But, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna. I, it's under AppleCare. I bought AppleCare because I always do that for laptops. And I am soon, when I have a period when I know I don't need the laptop for testing, I think I'm going to go in. I'm going to get an appointment and say, look, this is not war- normal wear and tear where literally the keys are worn away from a year and a half of testing. Testing, that is not acceptable. I'm going to go make a stink. Um, but I don't mind the action. I know you are not a fan of the travel. Not a fan. Key travel. I know a lot of people are Jason Snell. Not a fan. It seems like a big drawback if you make a MacBook Pro with a keyboard that's idiosyncratic. Well, it's just – it's it's a weird trade-off because they wanted to make it thinner and I just don't really know how many people care about thinness versus like that really only matters when it's closed, you know, and you're carrying it around. Like when it's open and you're using it, I'm never like, Oh, I love using this computer because it's so thin. Like it just, it doesn't happen. But the keyboard, that's a thing that I use constantly. And especially with the force, Bar, uh, I'm sorry, the touch bar max, you're not going to want to have that hooked up to an external keyboard. You're going to want to be using yep. the built-in keyboard because you're, you know, the touch bar's right there. So, so it's just a bummer to me that, I mean, I remember back in the day when there was like a matte and glossy option and oh, they really yeah. wanted you to buy glossy, yeah. but they kept the matte around for the people who were like, no, the matte is really important to me. I think that the k- keyboard is like that important to me and it just bums me out. I don't like this keyboard. They said it's the second generation mm-hmm. of this butterfly mechanism that they came up with. But um, in my briefing, I asked like, so what's different about it? Is Are there like haptics involved? Like, what did you do to make it feel better? Because they didn't actually physically increase the travel, but they said it felt like they did. And I was like, hmm, what does that mean? They just huh. use different materials. Right. So I just can't tell the difference. I tried, you know, going back and forth between the, the MacBook and that. Um, I do use the smart keyboard on my desktop setup at, my, at the office um, just because, you know, we got one for review and I started using it and I just kind of kept using it. And that has the butterfly mechanism so the keys don't, you know, wobble and they feel nice and sturdy when you hit them. But the travel's way better. And it's, I don't know, I, lo- I, I don't mind that one as much. So I'm, I don't want to be a total hater, but 
like the MacBook, I don't know. I feel like I'm going slower. I'm pounding harder. I'm making more mistakes. This big trackpad, I keep like brushing with my thumbs by accident. And it might be because my hands are like moving too much. Oh, trying it's to... huge too. And uh, it's got palm rejection. But how does that work in practice? That's been uh, something people have worried about. I have found myself, um, if I'm like typing... And, and, and I'm typing too hard, right? Because I don't yeah, believe yeah. in this keyboard. So I think I'm having more incidents than than I did on my MacBook Air where I'm brushing the, the trackpad and the cursor jumps up three lines and I'm typing in the middle of a word and then you have to like notice and be like, oh, undo, undo, undo. So that's frustrating when it happens. Well, that's a bummer. I mean, I just went through, I don't know if I went into this last week, so stop me if you remember. I can recall I had a keyboard fail. I've got, um, it's a, key, I don't want to mention the keyboard manufacturer's name because they had, uh, they've been good about replacing it, but I've had to get a keyboard, my primary keyboard replaced multiple times because they had some QA issues apparently. And, Is it a uh, mechanical keyboard? It's a mechanical keyboard. I love it. And, um, and I've been using keyboards by this maker for many years, never had problems like this. And like I say, they're honoring the warranty. So, not an issue, but I don't want to don't want to drop name. But so I, um, but I type the hell out of this thing, and um, I'm so particular. I have, I have a loud keyboard, which I use, and a loud mechanical keyboard I like. Then I have one with sort of softer. Um, for a while, it was using scissor switches. That one finally failed. I have a soft keyboard. I just bought a new one from Mac Alley. That's like a little chiclety, but it's very soft, so I can type without while I'm taking notes or uh, transcribing interviews while I speak to people. Uh, real time. And uh, so both keyboards failed around the same time. And I had other keyboards in the house. I'm like, well, I'll bring this one down. I've got a metal um, Apple keyboard uh, with a cord. I can't remember which model it is. It came with some, you know, iMac. Oh, yeah, or something. those are nice. And the problem is, if I use my treadmill, the metal conducts just enough static electricity that I'm actually getting shocked Aww. while I type. It's like, oh, so I have to put that one. And I've, look, I have three other it's keyboards. It's like, right faster. I have three other keyboards. I pull them out, and each of them had something that drove me crazy. Three, uh, two were mechanical. One was a scissor switch style thing. And um, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like a hothouse flower. I can only type on certain keyboards. Now I got the replaced, warranted replacement, and I got this new Mac Alley, and I can use both of them very comfortably. But holy cow. So I think keyboard is... Uh, I've thought of myself as very versatile, that I've been touch typing since 1980 or something. I can type on anything. It's like driving a car. You get a different car, you figure out where everything is, and then you drive. You're not about to drive into a ditch because you're in a different car. You know, they're all about the same. Right. I thought, well, I'm versatile. But some I cars can, are more comfortable than yeah, others. I can yeah. drive, I can type in different keyboards, and it's no, I'm more particular, and I am okay with the MacBook, but I think it's going to be a bigger choice. Um, you know, Apple talks about courage. I think they're never going to live that down. <laughs> and I don't think this is a – I think there's design decisions where you make a choice that you know won't appeal to everybody, but it will fit everybody well enough and some people very well. I don't think the keyboard falls into that is my take. Well, it's it's just funny that like that's this is the thing that I can complain about because I do type words in the boxes and I edit, you know, JPEGs and Pixelmator and that's most of my job. So I'm not stressing the processor, you know, I'm not using up all the RAM. Like right. I, I don't need 32 gigabytes of RAM. Like if, if, I, if it came, if that was an option, I would probably just max it out on purchase so it lasts, you know, longer before I want to replace it. That's usually my advice to people. If you can afford it, go for it, get the RAM. But I don't need it. Um, but I do I do use the keyboard. <laughs> that's the thing that like <laughs> I do stress that keyboard. Um, yeah, like that's that's where my work is done. So but you know, your mileage may vary. Some people 
do other things. Well, we'll have reviews uh, in as embargoes come off for um, touch bar models of 13-inch and 15-inch. And look for those soon, wink, Check, nudge. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, I'm very curious. You know, I was uh, – I'm a cynical person, unfortunately. Like, I, I I have two natures that fight. One is my unbridled <laughs> ebullience. Just two? <laughs> Just two. I have two. I'm very simple. I have binary nature. I have my uh, unbridled, uh, optimistic, ebullient self who says everything is cool and I'm so excited when new things happen – that people like. And the other side is, oh my God, not again. I've been in this industry for so long. Are we going to go through this garbage game? We already did that. So they well, fight. I mean, I, I did a hands-on with the Touch Bar Mac Pro, MacBook Pro after the events, and I was pretty enthusiastic yeah, about the Touch yeah. Bar. So I think the Escape Edition, which I gave a three and a half, you should go to read the review, um, you wow. know, I think it's it suffers from the compromises and it's just not as exciting because it doesn't have the touch bar. But stay tuned because yeah. I might feel differently about the other ones. No. Let's see if the touch bar itself and, you know, the extra ports and yada yada are going to be enough to make me be like, now that's a computer. Well, I was very, <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> hey, hey, Dolly, that's a computer. But I really like a computer. That's what I sound like. My goodness, Miss Molly, that is a computer. Oh, nurse. Um, I... Was so I was cynical about the touch bar. I, I haven't touched a touch bar. I have not touched the touch bar. Uh, touch bar. Touch bar. Touch the touch bar. Retouch to understand your, the that's right. touch bar. Uh, there's a Madonna song in there somewhere. Uh, and um, I was being cynical about it. And my friend and colleague Michael Cohen, who has uh, actually has done human interface research, has worked in usability testing, um, castigated me for being so cynical because he actually thinks it's an entirely new world opening up that's very different than any mode of interaction we've had before. He's excited as heck about it and um, and plans to test and write about it. And I, I was chastened by his optimism or not optimism, chastened by his um, insight because I haven't done that kind of testing. It, it struck me as another mode of, of, of interruption, but I'm, mm-hmm. a, you know, it's not like I touch typed the function keys. It's more like I feel like I'm going to be looking down all the time rather to use it, which is you will. It doesn't have haptics. You're going to have to look at the buttons. But um, the more I – It's really close to the screen. Like you're not looking that far. It's an extension of the screen. And it's also – I am excited by the notion of having a full screen interface on a lot of things where instead of having a Mm -hmm. palette – I mean this is the bane of every laptop user's existence. It's like a floating palette that has stupid little tools on it. And some people learn the key commands. Some programs don't offer them. But like the idea of having my entire screen territory devoted to the task at hand, very iOS-like, and having this touch bar that I can do delightful interaction with, with uh, and that's subtle, that I'll have gradation, that gives me all the tools or capabilities there. Well, I'm, I'm feeling less cynical. So we'll see. Another thing that it reminded me of in my hands-on time was when I got the iPad Pro, the 12.9-inch, the big daddy big pro, um, I did a – I think it came on like a Friday. So I couldn't, you know, like review it that day, obviously. But I wrote like a – here's five things I noticed in my first hour with iPad Pro and posted it immediately. And one of the things in that list was – this is the software keyboard that I've been waiting for. Yeah. Like it was like it was like the it was the thing that made software keyboards. I mean, because like no one really likes typing on glass, right? But like this had so many cool little features to it because it had so much room for like extra buttons and a really good quick type bar. And they're getting like better with the predictions and stuff in iOS 10. And the quick type is getting really really useful. And now all of that is coming to the Mac to the Touch Bar, and I think that's great. I think it's like a good blending of the contextual. 
like here when you need it, gone when you don't, like best of both worlds of iOS, but like still still on the Mac. So, but I haven't reviewed it yet. This is not a review. This is just what I noticed in my my early hands on time. So stay tuned. Before we meet again, you'll get to read a lot more of my thoughts on the MacBook Pros. Uh, I am looking forward to it because, and I'm looking forward to actually getting my hands on one myself. We were talking about haptics before, and we we talk about haptics regularly because I think we're excited about that as a enhancement to touch technology. Uh, the iPhone, I got an iPhone Seven Plus partly for testing and photography, and I still haven't switched to it being my main phone. But I'm I'm so tempted. It's sort of the po- back pocket problem, but I may do it. But here's the thing: is um, some of the photo apps out there have taken advantage of haptics and the iPhone seven plus is big enough that you really feel it when it's being used. And I uh, was doing something with the manual um, app. that's like literally called manual as you do, you know, manual settings on the, the photo uh, for photos. And they did this thing where um, the developer, as you move focus in and out, it, it kind of clicks as you move it, as you slide. And yeah. um, it's like kind of click, click thump. And I hand it to my wife who had never used the app before. And I said, put it in focus and she didn't she's like oh you know and like her first reaction was and it was just it was um not delight but it was like a light popped she liked it it was very positive it was very you know it's ta- literally tactile and i thought this is an amazing thing and the more that haptics gets integrated into i think um things like the touch bar in a future version one can expect a touch bar too would have haptics in it and even as we've talked about maybe an entire touch screen that's the bottom of your half of your Mac, you know, that could be all keyboard for touch typing with haptics and show you the keys, but the entire bottom half of the Mac could change contextually. It'd be weird. We'll see. Maybe I'm crazy. I mean, I w- maybe they could keep the keys that go up and down, but they could each be like a little tiny OLED screen that could change. Well, it's possible. Like, I don't OLED, know. OLED is yeah. cheap enough. So there's a lot of room that can happen there, and um, we'll see what happens. They're already individually backlit. They look really yeah, nice. Yeah, you're right. There's already stuff going on. Um, let's move on because we're going to talk about the death of the Mac at the end of the episode. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Just kidding. Uh, listener Matt Keen, hello, Matt, wrote in um, with a, a great point. As he said, look, he bought a 2009 MacBook Pro with a 500 gigabyte drive. Now, albeit it was a hard disk drive, right? And he said the new MacBooks, the default for the 15 inch configuration, I mean, the default for the 13 inch is 256 gigs for the unit you tested. It's yeah. 512 gigabytes for uh, it's an SSD, but 512 gigs. He said, you know, I know he knows the difference between the two things and, and SSDs are faster and more expensive and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, if he wants to go to a terabyte, it's 500 pounds where he lives to upgrade to a terabyte drive. He really wants a two terabyte drive. I think this is all very reasonable. And he's like, why are we, you know, what's going on that this many years has passed and we're still pretending that, you know, a 500 gig drive is, uh, is the right size, especially for a pro model. And, um, and that's another, like, I mean, Apple made design choices where they can't just like grab, you know, cheap off the shelf, like OEM storage and throw it in this thing. Like they designed their own. It's like PCIe. They used right. really, really fast storage this time. I was trying to test it with a Blackmagic to speed test and it was just burying the needle on the sequential like read speed test. Like the, the, it, it, it maxed out at like two gigabytes per second. And this can, Apple says it can go up to three. Oh my and gosh. it was just like, wow. it just showed two gigabytes per second, like the entire Holy time. Cow. And it like the test really, I was like, we're going to need a bigger boat. It couldn't go above that <laughs> at all. So that's really fast. But again, <laughs> just that's as a funny. user, 
like would you like could I handle like it being slightly slower but still plenty fast and you know cheaper or have more storage like I would rather have more storage than have like a little bit of like super super fast storage like but that's my presumption is that the people are not going to be using the boot drive if you're doing pro stuff you either want a bigger internal drive to carry around with you to do stuff and it should be fast but if you want super fast you're going to be using like external thunderbolt 3 raid arrays with like multiple terabytes expensive yeah i know those are like if you know if your company is buying you stuff but like i'm not going to go buy a thunderbolt 3 raid just to like keep my photos on here's a a good data point from uh, earlier in the year i was trying to find something more recent i don't know anything's been updated but uh, pc world our sisters at PC World, uh, Lucas uh, Marion wrote a piece in March that looked at um, all of the uh, average pricing. And so 128 gigabyte SSD, like the standard uh, you can just buy off the shelf, retails for at that point between about 40 and 50 bucks, 250 gigabytes was between 50 and 80. Uh, but then you start to go up pretty fast, right? So um, this the 500 gig rate, I'm not seeing a price in that range here. Um, but I know I bought one for, I think it was a couple hundred bucks not that long ago. There was an external drive. And when you go up, if you bump up to one terabyte uh, SSD, um, just the off the shelf kind of thing you can get, you start pushing, you know, 300 plus dollars for, I wouldn't say low end, but these are like standard drives. And if you want something that's more, you know, it's higher performance, you're going to pay more. So there's a, there's a inflection point. Um, actually some sales happening too, I should say, actually, it's a good time to buy a one terabyte drive. Oh, they're cheaper. Uh, but there's an inflection point that's coming with all the chip uh, chips and components that make up these drives. Uh, I think people a couple of years ago, I remember being pegged earlier that they thought by now one terabyte would wind up being an affordable drive size. And I think we're just below that. So another, year and i expect one terabyte is going to be have plummeted because everyone's moving away from ssds you have huge volumes of i'm uh, sorry moving away from hdds huge volumes of ssds and high capacities are being purchased at uh at uh, for uh, data centers and that's actually a big market because they use um exabytes like not just gigabytes terabytes petabytes you got to go up to exabyte range of storage and uh the data centers uh, have been working towards converting as much as possible to SSDs over time. Still a lot of spinning drives everywhere, but that's a giant market and helps drop the cost, but also means shortages because uh, companies are trying to buy these things as fast as they're made. So I think the answer is another year and we will see some price difference. He just doesn't want to have to crack open his Mac and put a bigger drive in. He doesn't want to pay Apple's prices. And I think those are both reasonable, reasonable things, but we're not quite there yet. Not quite there. Susie, should we talk more about USB-C? Oh, absolutely. I'm sh- it's really important to everybody. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, everybody, but I know you I mean, want it's this. It's the future. Like, we have to talk about it. It's everybody uncomfortable. Keeps, I have a million, <laughs> billion questions about it. So one thing I think uh, important to note is that Apple did this huge price reduction days after the MacBook Pro shipped. They've uh, dropped the price of all of the uh, Thunderbolt 3 adapters and uh, pretty much everything they sell with USB-C, and they're effectively subsidizing the price of the LG uh, monitors they're selling, the 4K and 5K ones, the USB-C 4K and Thunderbolt 3 5K. Uh, You can buy them, I think, much cheaper at Apple than through Amazon. 
so these are uh, temporary price right. cuts through the end of the year. So the end of the year, and we'll see what happens then. If they, I mean, so you know, the USB C to Type A, you know, standard USB adapter, 3.0 adapter, uh, which you needed for all kinds of things, including if you wanted to not get a Lightning cable to USB C. Um, those were twenty bucks or nineteen dollars. Now they're nine dollars, so they're dropped it to the audio. Um, you know, lightning to audio adapter price, $9, super cheap. You can get them for even as little as $7 from reputable parties with good reviews. Um, get them as Amazon. stocking stuffers for people who don't even have new Macs yet. Oh yeah. Well, people are going to buy like <laughs> five of these things. I mean, at 20 bucks, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to buy five, but at like $7, like, all right, I buy five of them or four of them and keep them around. Cause you're going to lose them. And people were, I think peeved in part about adapters, not just because of the hassle and figuring out which ones to use, but also because, uh, you know, you're going to lose them. And if they cost 50 bucks, you're like, oh, I don't want to spend 50 bucks every two weeks. So this makes it a little less painful. <laughs> um, and I had a very, so Michael Sippy, who's a, a longtime uh, uh, technology industry guy, super nice person. And um, most recently, uh, one of the people behind Talk Show. It was a cool, unfortunately demised, um, like way to do conversations live. It was like, uh, it was a really cool system. Sorry, I didn't take off. But um, Michael, super nice guy. And he's like on Twitter. He's like, okay, I've tried to figure this out. <laughs> I'm tr- can I use, or I've got this, can I plug, and you're like, oh my God, Michael Sippy, who's like super technologically minded, has worked at like Twitter and Apple, all these things. like he's asking for help. That's how bad it's become. And like, all right, so Jason Stell and I both wound up like walking through, like he's like, all right, and, and he wound up writing a very funny essay we can link to, uh, but it's it's uh, called Dongle Me. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's worth a read. But um, this takes us to the monitor issue. I think what's confusing people most, and I think this is what I can yeah. clarify, okay? So USB-C is a connector type. We talked about this last time. It's a connector type over which many protocols can run. So when you say USB-C, you don't know what you're talking about. That's kind of the big problem. Like if if Thunderbolt 3 had been branded without USB-C involved, people would just understand. Or if USB-C had been like um, called, I don't know, like you'd say USB-C over reversible connector, then you might have understood it was just USB-C. So the, the, you can have different standards <laughs> and different backwards compatibility. So the 12-inch MacBook ships with a USB-C connector that basically understands USB 2, USB 3, and DisplayPort. And there's some little fine points there, but that's it. Thunderbolt 3 understands USB 2, USB 3, its own Thunderbolt 3 specification, Thunderbolt 2 through an adapter, but it can essentially interact with Thunderbolt 2. Um, DisplayPort natively, uh, a 10 gigabit per second peer-to-peer Ethernet flavor. Um, there's this weird, uh, I forget what it's called, MHL. I can't it's like a, a mobile high-speed Link or high resolution link to plug directly into TV sets like HDTVs. And as all of this is built into this one standard on devices that have Thunderbolt 3 and all the support, like the MacBook Pros coming out. So the confusing part is I have, let's say you are, so Sno- Susie, so yeah. you know, people bought Apple cin- uh, cinema displays with mini display port connectors. Yes. Apple chose to make those with three things at the end. So there was a cord that came out that was hardwired into the, into the monitor. It mm-hmm. had a MagSafe connector, USB connector, right? USB. Yeah. And that, that gave like pass through to the USB ports on the back of the monitor. Right. Which was cool. And mini display port, which is a standard and mini display. Yeah, I have port. that one on my desk. Still, I use it all the time. Right. People love that monitor and that monitor plugged into a first into a mini display port jack on a bunch of Macs. Then when Apple adopted Thunderbolt 2, 
Thunderbolt 2, Thunderbolt 2 adopted the same uh, plug style factor, as Mini yeah. DisplayPort, right? Okay, right? Mm-hmm. So we're all there, right? Yep. Everyone listening at home. So here's the thing. <laughs> so here's the thing. DisplayPort in that scenario, DisplayPort is a protocol running over essentially a Thunderbolt 2 connection, but it wasn't running a Thunderbolt. Those monitors are still running DisplayPort natively and porting it out. If yep. you can find another device that has a jack in it, a computer with a mini display port jack, you can I never plug see it. those anymore. I know they're not being used. So this is what Everyone got confusing. Went like HDMI. Yeah, everything's HDMI, or you have a removable cable, and you can plug in, um, you know, display port to display port, or HDMI goes. You know, HDMI can carry display port as well. So you plug HDMI in at one end. You plug a full sized. DisplayPort connection into the monitor, and you're good. Or you can do HDMI to HDMI. All works. So here's what's confusing, and this is driving people batty. Apple then released the Apple Thunderbolt display, which looks in many ways identical. I think it's larger, right? It's a bigger display, or they have multiple models. I've forgotten. It looks identical. It well, does... they got rid of. I think it doesn't need the USB cable because it can do the, the ah, ports and the yes. stuff. You can do everything over That's the Thunderbolt right. cable. So it has a MagSafe, but then it also has the Thunderbolt cable for all the connections. Right. I so want to say it's... it was more expensive. It had better ports on the back. It had like FireWire and everything on the back, or maybe just Ethernet. I don't know. Oh no, you're it had right. A yeah. ton of ports on the back. Yeah. So it it's nice. talking Thunderbolt two. It's not right. technically. It's encapsulating DisplayPort inside. Thunderbolt 2. So you can't the plug... The plugs look the same. And that's right. why it's confusing. And you couldn't plug that monitor. If you could find a computer, let's say you had a Dell and it had a mini display port jack in it, you could not plug the Thunderbolt 2 no. into it because yeah, you required it had to be a Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt port. port. Right. Okay. Yeah. So here's what's confusing people. So you have Thunderbolt 3 and Apple is selling a Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3 adapter. And, yes, um, I have it. What's that? Yeah, they sent me one. They sent me one. Nice. Okay. So that adapter does not support display port only devices. So any monitor, including the original Apple cinema display that only speaks DisplayPort, does not speak Thunderbolt 2, will not work with a Thunderbolt 2 to 3 adapter, even though you can plug it into that port. That is what's making people confused. Um, And Apple updated, by the way, I just checked this morning, someone pointed me to this. There's a page at Apple's site about adapters. They updated this uh, page that explains, we can put it in the show notes. I'm going to paste it into our show note document now. Um, This uh, page explains what the Thunderbolt 2 to 3 adapter can support. Before, it had some information. Now it says, here's the list. You can use Thunderbolt 3, the Thunderbolt 2 adapter to connect to Mini DisplayPort Thunderbolt displays, Thunderbolt bus power devices, Thunderbolt self-powered devices. So that's all the Thunderbolt 2 stuff, right? That all works. You can connect it to a Mac that has a Thunderbolt or Thunderbolt 2 port on it. You can connect it to the um, – uh, you can use uh, uh, the Thunderbolt to gigabit Ethernet adapter – sold for previous versions of Thunderbolt. You can use it with the Apple Thunderbolt to FireWire adapter as long as the FireWire device requires less than 10 watts of power, okay? <laughs> so it's basically every previous adapter and device that talked Thunderbolt or Thunderbolt 2 would work, okay, with this adapter. So what's confusing, people are like, all right, well, I have a display here. Can I just plug the display? And it's like, no. Yep. And it, Apple's made it more explicit. It doesn't it, – Apple DisplayPort – uh, it says, yeah, it won't display anything with um, that has just DisplayPort. 
and uh, that lack Thunderbolt in any previous form. So anyway, that's a long way of saying it. So he, so Susie, here's the last piece is both USB-C as supported in the 12-inch MacBook and Thunderbolt 3 using the USB-C connector. They support DisplayPort natively, so you don't have to use a Thunderbolt 2 to 3 connector that won't work anyway. All you need is an adapter or a cable that has um, uh, DisplayPort on one, or has USB-C on one end and DisplayPort on the other. So I've got a few different things. I have a cable here that has full-size DisplayPort on one end and USB-C on the other. I've got docks that have HDMI ports in them. I've got cables that do other stuff. HDMI is not yet incorporated into USB-C, but it's coming. The spec is done. So next year, devices will let you just have a cable. You can have a USB-C HDMI cable that Ooh. does no conversion. It natively that will pass it. would be a handy cable to have. <laughs> I know. So that's the future. And, it, and what's tricky is, of course, that will be carrying, the HDMI spec will be carrying probably DisplayPort data because DisplayPort is actually the underlying spec that's carrying the data. It's a it's a, a protocol that also has port types associated in the past, which is why it's so confusing. So at some point, you'll be able to buy a monitor that supports uh, USB-C uh, natively, and those, some of those are out. You'll also be able to get cables that will support HDMI natively, so you won't need a converter. And you can get cables and adapters today uh, and docks that support uh, DisplayPort either over HDMI or through DisplayPort as a connector. So, I don't know. Does everyone understand that now? It's very complicated. Oh, clear as crystal. It's very complicated. Thanks, Glenn. Um, one more thing. Okay, so one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 4G LG mo- 4K LG monitor that Apple's selling now for uh, was it 524 I think super cheap. Um, it's a full 4K display. The um, uh, and it uh, it's 21 and a half inches and it only offers USB 2 speeds on it, the built-in ports 480 megabit per second ports. So some people had already written me and said, "Do I really want to buy this one? And, and why does it only do USB 2 out the back?" And the issue is if you do. DisplayPort over USB-C without using Thunderbolt, which is a cheaper way to implement it, there's not enough uh, uh, data lanes left for pass, passing through full USB 3.0, like 5 gigabit per second connections. So using a dock may be a better choice because the dock can have 4K output through an HDMI port, and it can also have high-speed ports and other kinds of things connected. Um, so, it just depends on what you're using those monitor ports for. Exactly. If you're using it to plug in like you know a keyboard, then it's fine. Right. I would never want to plug a hard drive into a monitor because of like power and connections and so forth. Uh, so that's really, you're exactly, it's for mice and keyboards and, and low speed peripherals that you use it for. You could keep like your lightning, like <clears throat> I, I keep a lightning cable plugged in back there so I can just charge up whatever. Exactly. And you don't need a converter because uh, you don't need that lightning to USB converter because it's got USB in the back. Um, I mean, lightning to uh, USB-C rather. Uh, if I was going to get one of those LG monitors, especially at the new lower prices, I would I would recommend the 5K. Oh my it's God. 5K! More like K. It's so cheap for 5K. Um, if you're it looking is. for a 4K display, though, and you're not tied up with USB C, which you shouldn't be at this point because you have the flexibility, you can get larger displays. Like you can get a 24 inch high rated um, uh, monitor for, I think it's like $350. Uh, that So you can get, you know, I don't want a tiny 4K display. It's sort of weird, like a 21 inch. 4K, it might be the right size, but if you want a bigger one, you can get it. And 27-inch 4K displays, uh, again, highly rated, I think can cost just about as much as the 4K LG. So if you're not tied to, and, and then you simply use a, a DisplayPort cable with them or you know a dock or what have you to do some 
uh, kind of inexpensive conversion to pass the DisplayPort to it. So you're not tied to the LG monitors. Okay, shoo, we got through it. It's um, painful, but we'll get there. Uh, okay, so our <laughs> final topic, the main topic, which we don't have to talk about for too long, but I think it's a good, uh, this is our conceptual topic. Um, Susie Marco Armit wrote a very interesting article. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it. It's uh, uh, I saw everybody tweeting about it. I think I put it in my Insta paper. Queue. I'm going to put it into our show notes. But the the Speaking bottom line Marco. was, what is it? Uh, oh yeah, Insta paper. Oh, good callback. Now owned by Pinterest, by the way. And they just made all the premium features free. Oh, so true. if you haven't Instapapered in a while, get back in there. It's still a great app. I use it daily. So you can, yeah, so I use it constantly. I like being, you can select an Instapaper in iOS and make tweet shots where it extracts the text and the makes it a graphic. tweet shots, I love, I love the tweet, tweet shot. shots. Um, I'm, I love, sometimes I send things to my Instapaper queue just so I can tweet shot them. I do them too. Then, I do yay. the same thing. Well, so Marco, That's I it. think you should read Marco's essay. It's a very good essay about the future, but the, and, and those, and should the technical details can, you know, dive oh, yeah. down and read it. Future without a Mac Pro. But, yeah, the idea is like, is, is Apple, you know, we were, everyone was thinking, you know, Apple in 2013 said, you know, was it uh, no innovation, my Sweet Fanny, I don't know what he said. Something like what Phil Schiller say. And uh, and it was like, hey, here's a new machine. And it had a lot of limitations. There were some good things about it. For, new form factor wasn't necessarily, yeah, so all right, well, this is the first iteration. Let's see the next version after they get feedback and, and ramp up. So the question, yeah, so the question is, like, you know, ostensibly they're going to keep revving the iMac. It's a flagship machine. People buy it. It's got the integral display. That's, you know, we haven't seen a new one. In a bit, but you know, it's 5K iMac is pretty great. Mac Mini, maybe that's at the end of life. I don't know. Um, we've got, we know what they're doing with the MacBook. Uh, the Air is basically dead. It's at the end of its life. The MacBook um, Pro, we know where that is now. We have a new one. Uh, the Mac Pro is, you know, that was the heart of Apple for a long time. And we know it's less important to it. And Marco wrote a really interesting essay about like, why do we need a Mac Pro versus a MacBook Pro? Like, what can you get out of it? That you can't, and it's you know, it's an endless list. It's all it's a really good list. Yeah, all kinds of things that developers need and high end, um, high end uh, graphics professionals need. And you know, fundamentally, there's this issue about developers. There are hundreds of thousands or millions of people engaged in you know running Xcode. It must be millions running Xcode and doing some kind of Mac or iOS development. And um, developers are highly processor bound. They need faster machines, more memory. Um, you know, when you're developing games, just on the development side, not just the people running it, you need to be able to render tons of stuff. Uh, our friend of the show, Brianna Wu, has a lot of bad things to say about the where Apple's tapped out that capacity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When you're developing games for the Mac or iOS, you may need to be doing rendering on entirely other computers because Apple isn't there. So I don't know, Susie, what do you think? Are we going to – it seems like Apple maybe has said, made a – a point by releasing these MacBook Pros and saying not a word about other Macs? Are we at the end of innovation on the high end? You know, I mean, this isn't an Apple is doomed. Maybe they don't need to make these anymore, but it really feels like something was being said. I wish that they had, uh, I know they don't like to talk about future products and I respect that, but I wish they had said something for the people who just want a really powerful desktop. Like I wish they had said, uh, you know, and we'll have more to announce early next year for people who, you know, would rather have a desktop Mac or something. I, I don't know. Some kind of cool, Apple-y, courageous statement that's like, this isn't it. 
But we just like, we can't release something now. We don't want to rush things out before they're done. You know, we know that you guys use these for a really long time. We're going to make you something really great. Because, yeah, like right now there is kind of a feeling among some pro users that they're just, you know, they're kind of being left out in the cold. And um, I mean, Marco makes a really great point in this that um, having a really powerful desktop Mac to kind of take the heavy lifting off means that these um, portable Macs can be like more aggressive with the choices they make and, you know, trying to innovate and stuff because, because you have the workhorse like in the stable. Um, so y- you can, you can go light and free and portless on your, <laughs> on your, on your laptop because, you know, you, you've got the truck there. So, so yeah, I I really hope that they have something else. I think that they probably do. I think that, you know, like people just get worried when they don't know what Apple's doing and that's just what Apple does to us. It's just a uh, part of the torture of being an Apple fan. I think within 6 months to a year, they will have put out something. I don't wonder if it's going to be a Mac Pro though. Like it's I and I think it should be. Like I don't think they should get rid of that. I think that that can as Marco said, eat up enough of the edge cases um, that, you know, the rest of us who don't need that kind of horsepower can putter along happily with well, our MacBooks. Thunderbolt 4 or Thunderbolt 3 is a very interesting thing because be, uh, since it supports 40 gigabits per second of throughput, there are external GPUs you can buy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, I think it's still better to have them integrated. But um, there's one argument that perhaps the iMac will become the new Mac Pro with a much higher degree of um, configurability and Apple will just say, look, we're going to sell you a monitor whether you want one or not. And you'll be able to get, uh, you know, more memory or whatever. And if you want more GPU, great. We'll sell these aftermarket, you know, you have Thunderbolt three connected ones in the Apple store. Um, Now there's still all kinds of things you can't do. And Apple, you know, Marco lists them off. There's things about, um, you know, uh, what you can actually stick in an iMac versus something that's got a shape that lets you cool it, that lets heat vent out better and so forth. Um, it could be Even they, with the iMac, they're so obsessed with thinness. They're like, look how tapered it is Nobody on the sides. Cares. And you're just like, who gives a crap how looking. thin it is? Like, I don't want it to be ugly and just like a big, ugly box. But I think there's a there's a huge gap between a big, ugly box and like, you know, something like an iMac that seems like it's just all about it. design. When you're, when you're using an iMac, you don't look at how thin it is. No, you have to get up and like go around to the side and like look at it from like it's, certain angles. I mean, it's terrible. There's a weight thing. Like I got a, you know, the, the Samsung TV I got, I can't remember how long it was, two years ago or something, the smart TV. It's super lightweight compared to even, we had a 720p television that was probably, I don't know, 10 years old. And that thing weighed like three times as much as this new 1080p that was bigger and brighter and whatever. And I kind of appreciate that it weighed less and that the bezel was less. I appreciate all of that. But I don't care. I don't know how thin it is. I could have to go and look at the TV cabinet. And I feel the same way about, like, I want to be able to open a laptop in a middle seat and coach. That's the that's the laptop test. And you're not going to be able to do that with a 15-inch. So that's known. So a 12-inch or 13-inch Apple laptop should be able to be opened in coach middle seat. Um but everything else is like, who cares? You know, you either you put the Mac Pro up where you can see it or you hide it. The iMac, you're looking at it. You don't need to. Um, I love something that's aesthetically beautiful. Thinness is not a definition of aesthetic beauty. 
Uh, and I think, I mean, they even sort of want with these uh, Thunderbolt ports on the Mac Pro, I think they're saying, I mean, the MacBook Pro, I think yeah. they're saying like, look, you can hook this to two Thunderbolt raids and two 5K displays and like, look at you go. And that was kind of their pitch with the with the garbage can cylinder Mac Pro was like, OK, like it's it's just this weird cylinder. But like, look, it's so expandable. You can just connect anything you want to these super fast Thunderbolt ports. So. I, you know, I hope that they're not just like, oh, yeah, you know, Thunderbolt 3 is just uh, is getting the iMac and the MacBook Pros oh. to where, you know, the Mac Pro, like they're they're already skating to where the Mac Pros puck like is going. So we don't need to update the Mac Pro anymore. But, uh, you know, that would be a shame if Apple like continues to just make all these decisions based on what they can squeeze into the tiny designs. I agree. And I, I don't think Marco made this point exactly. I'm looking through his essay to remember one of the advantages of the Mac Pro was that you can improve it over time yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I had a Mac Pro for several years where it started with whatever memory and then memory for that model got super cheap. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go from whatever I had, four gigabytes to 16 for like a hundred bucks. I mean, whatever the price was, a hundred, two hundred dollars Then it's like, oh, I've got this 5,400 RPM, 256 gig drive. I'm going to get a 7,200 one terabyte drive. And even, oh, that graphic card in the old days. Are you talking about the cheese grater one? Yeah, popped out. Yeah, put a new one so in. Yeah, so it's great. Right, I love how expandable I'm it was. I'm going to pull out my DVD or my, uh, my whatever, my CD burner, whatever model I had, I'm going to throw a DVD burner I was burner never in really a PC builder and just how well they did that design mm-hmm. like made me like confident enough to be like, I'm going to open this and upgrade some components. Right. And, you know, because it was like they made it a lot easier. You could put in a double, you know, double height graphics card because there was enough room. Yeah. And it's not that everyone needs to do that, but it made the investment better is I could drop yeah. three grand on it and then I could spend maybe another thousand dollars over five or six years. You can still sell those for yeah. like good money. People still use those. Well, you can make them better and better. You could even swap out with a little effort. You could swap out the CPU cards or all kinds of things. And I'm not saying Apple needs to make a hobbyist machine. And I'm not saying even a new Mac Pro needs to be as expandable as the cheese grater one, but it helped with the investment. It helped me, you know, and some developers and and other, uh, you know, graphics professionals, people who need to push GPU and CPU, they would swap out every year or two because it was financially efficient for them to do so. They got the benefit back. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you could, then other people would buy those models and keep them running. I mean, I think there, I know people are running 10 plus year old uh, Mac pros and, um, and equivalents. There's still people out there running Power PC power uh, power P, power that PC G5 towers. Tower? Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, G five. So um, it just feels like feels like something's wrong. So one how of the rumors, crazy would everybody go if they brought that back? Oh I mean, God. like they don't really go back, but like they, vision, but Jesus. Be, oh man, everyone would be so happy though. It would be like ten Christmases. It, the, so the one thing that I thought was a good um, rumor was this was not a two hour announcement, right? Something it was, like was an hour and a half. Yeah. Something was missing. It was not as important. It was not that important. The MacBook Pro, you know, they spent a half hour on other stuff. It was it was a little lackadaisical. And they're like, here's a new machine. It's like, great. Well, you know, glad you're introducing this new thing. But it was a it was billed as something that was going to be bigger. And the rumor is something wasn't ready, or maybe some things weren't ready. So they went with what was ready, and they didn't have the Mac Pro or iMac or other computers that they were going to update. And so they're going to kick it till after the Christmas season uh, and um, you know get through sales, back to school, January, financials, whatever, and then maybe we'll see something new early in the year because it'll be ready. And I think that's very reasonable because when it finished, Tim Cook's like, okay, we're done. I'm like, this is not right. Like Apple isn't always two hours, but for an event like this, 
it was weird to be like an hour 25 or whatever it was. Like something was, there was a hole in the presentation. So hmm. I know that's what it felt like to me. Thinking emoji. That's what I'm doing right thinking now. Thinking emoji. Well, I think, think, speaking of thinking, I think we've worn people out again. This is, this is the Macworld podcast in which we wear you out. With I'm sure they detail. could listen to us jabber on all day. I'm sure. But we'll have more things to talk about. Um, you can check out, I wrote an article that I, I it's a financial planning article. It's how to get uh, 48 <laughs> hours out of your 24-hour rentals. But um, I just love the premise because I think that so many parents can relate to it. Oh it's like God. you want to rent a movie, but you know you're going to fall asleep like half an hour in. And then if you want to finish it the next night, you got to start it. You got to watch the clock and start it before that 24 hours is up. So just having that, you know, that, that extra... Uh, rental time is going to make all the difference. Yeah, so I don't even rent. I just buy them because I know that there's no way I'm going to get oh, through it on the yes. first sitting. So go to macworld.com. You'll find my piece about where to find 48-hour rentals. And the secret is iTunes is all 24 hours, which I don't think I realized. That's policy. In the U.S., it's all 24. Outside the U.S., it's all 48. Um, but many <sighs> other – I think I think YouTube is my recommendation for the sleeper service because – most people don't realize, I think, I, I had no idea and I've asked people and they're like, YouTube rents movies? I've rented movies through YouTube. Yeah. So you, but it's not presented well. So you have to, you, no. when you search Usually for Usually it's like you're searching for like the yeah. movie just like on YouTube and then it comes up like, we don't have a full movie, but you could just pay three bucks and watch it. And exactly. I'm like, ah, fine. Right. So that's the thing. Right. So if you go to YouTube, YouTube, this is why it's a sleeper. The only apps are the only uh, services, the major services with robust Apple and iOS support uh, that rent movies that I could find that have tvOS apps are iTunes and YouTube. So you can't rent within YouTube app, but you can rent from youtube.com on any device, you know, through a browser. You rent the thing, you go to the YouTube app, you navigate to your account to purchase. It's a little hidden even. And then you can watch it without having to do AirPlay. Not all services do AirPlay. AirPlay can be wonky, blah, blah, blah. So most of the movies I checked on YouTube were the same price as at iTunes and at 48-hour rentals. And in some cases, you know, in the article I mentioned, if you look around, sometimes people have deals or some weird things where, like, some movies have three-day rentals, some have um, or three-day periods in which you can watch during a rental window. Uh, one independent film had a seven-day rental window and then a seven-day watching period that was identical. So the minute you bought it, you could basically watch it for the next week. Um, but, you know, Susie, when I was researching this piece, I found an article I'd written several years ago going, this is great news. Parents will be able to rent stuff for more than 24 hours because I was so optimistic. Well, like I say, no. sometimes I'm a little too optimistic. Um, but we will be back next week with more folks. Thanks for sending in. We've been getting questions uh, via Twitter and email and through Macworld.com by posting comments. We're trying to keep up on those. So please do give us your feedback, uh, what you want to know about what. And we will be delighted to uh, talk about issues that we think are useful to everybody. And uh, Susie, great to talk to you again. And I'll be looking forward to more MacBook Pro uh, discussion as new models are wink, wink, released. <laughs> yeah, that should be coming soon. Excellent. Pleasure to talk to you as always. Oh, it's fun. And uh, folks, thanks thanks for tuning in. This was the Macworld Podcast, episode 533 for November 9th, 2016. Uh, you can find us, as always, macworld.com. You can send us email, podcast at macworld.com. Find us on the Twitter. Just search for our names. You'll find us. And uh, we will be back next week.